This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences. And now I'm excited about a new natural wellness line from Plus CBD, CBD Calm and CBD Sleep. CBD Calm helps ease tension, soothe irritability, and contributes to a greater sense of contentment through a blend of Plus CBD's award-winning full-spectrum CBD, plus L-theanine, and 5-HTP. CBD Sleep aids occasional sleeplessness with CBD plus melatonin, as well as soothing magnolia bark extract and relaxing lemon balm so you can get the rest you need and wake up alert and focused. Both products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. The subject is a great book by today's guest, China Rx, Exposing the Risks of America's Dependence on China for Medicine. And uh, that dependence uh, when you, you know, we mentioned um, a percentage uh, in part one, and I think few people realize that 90% of the raw materials that go into medications in the United States come to us from China. That's just an astonishing statistic. And what's happening now, Ron, is we're getting finished generic drugs, the pills that we take made by Chinese companies and sold here. So medicines for HIV AIDS, birth control pills, uh, medicines for Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, metformin, which is a diabetes drug, and all and medicines for epilepsy and all kinds of antibiotics. They're now being made in China, the finished drugs, the pills we take, and sold here in the United States. They have at least 10% of our market share. And about 10, 12 years ago, it was zero. Hmm. So they are moving up quickly mm -hmm. and driving out Western manufacturers, and I think they'll uh, move India out also eventually, mm -hmm. just because they have an industrial policy and uh, illegal practices to subsidize. And so if you and I had a company here in the U.S., we're not competing with a Chinese company. We're competing with the Chinese government. And you and it's I, it's mercantilism at its at its finest. You know, it's like a state subsidy subsidized uh, industry where they can uh, they they have such uh, deep resources that they can undercut the entire world's uh, manufacturing uh, capability and uh, deep six industries throughout the world. I mean, that's sort of the the game plan for you know China one hundred. They're you know for ascendancy in every realm. Uh, so this is this is a national security issue for sure because you mentioned all kinds of essential medications. What happens, say, if we have a showdown over Taiwan, which is you know quite a plausible geopolitical uh, scenario? Um, could this mean an embargo on medications and you know widespread medication shortages threatening the health of our populace? Ron, I was asked to testify in 2019 uh, on Capitol Hill on the national security implications. And then I testified two other times in the House and Senate right before COVID. And yet, if you control medicines, you control the world. Think of the leverage that you have over another country. 
And this happened during the pandemic here. China threatened to withhold antibiotics from the United States. And remember, a lot of people, they may not die of COVID, but they may die of pneumonia or bacterial infectious disease. Uh, so antibiotics are essential in our medicine chests and hospital pharmacies. So it confers an amount of power that's just extraordinary. And so I, uh, when ChinaRx came out, I said, let's do this as a national security issue. And it certainly got a lot of attention. And there were uh, leaders in the Department of Defense who absolutely understood this. But the challenge is you have a lot of, it's a political economy challenge. A lot of companies have current contracts with the U.S. military to supply medicines for military hospitals domestically and overseas. And they are sourcing them cheap and they want to keep those contracts. Mm -hmm. And so how do you break that? Because you're right. Imagine the young men and women in the South China Sea on the aircraft carriers, and they're dependent on those folks across the water for mm -hmm. uh, basic medicines that they need. You Remember, could, there you was could a win the war without yeah. firing a single shot. You know, like oh, a, that's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, that's it. And if you want to destabilize a country really fast and demoralize the population, just withhold medicine. Yeah. And if you want to take out a president of a country. Just stop shipping medicines and look at the chaos that will happen. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've allowed ourselves to get into this. We got to get out. So, and on another front, are are they stealing our our IP? Because uh, you know, one of the strengths of the, the American pharmaceutical industry, you know, it's much criticized because you know we make a lot of uh, useless drugs, drugs that may have harmful side effects. But we lead Absolutely, the world in, yeah. in, in 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 innovation. I mean, there's no question is that we're the United States is still a powerhouse of uh, for drug development. But is China stealing our IP? Uh, you know, and of knocking course. off our medications. Absolutely. There, there'll be nothing left. So our, here's what happened with the generics and what happened. This is how we got here. So major uh, multinational companies that were making generics here in the United States, Europe and elsewhere, they gave up their portfolios for generics to China in return for getting access to the Chinese market for their branded mm -hmm. drugs. Mm -hmm. But you can bet that they, their R&D, and also their business operations, who their customers are, their distributors, all of it. I'm sure I would bet my house that all of it has um, been infiltrated. Hmm. Wow. Look what happened with the, um, uh, was it the Pfizer vaccine that was in, went to the European Medicines Agency, which is the equivalent of the FDA in Europe. Its uh, vaccine application was was hacked. Oh, there you go. So nothing's sacred here, right? And of and, course, a vaccine application yeah. has to have all, you know all kinds of technical details. You know, the manufacturing process. You know, how you know the molecular configurations and and all this you know, technical data so that it can be properly evaluated. Uh, that information uh, can be the basis for uh, uh, a Sinovac. You know, a Chinese equivalent of a you know, of course cheaper uh but uh chinese manufactured version of of our of our vaccines and think of this so if you and i are starting a, a pharma company and we want to we have a great idea for a product and we want to sell it in china we have to fill out all, all the information and give it to the chinese fda to approve the drug 
Mm-hmm. So we have to give them all of our intellectual property. Yeah. How's that going to work out? So it's an extremely serious situation. And I, this is an advanced industrial sector for our economy, jobs for future generations, our children. And this is one of many sectors that, as I mentioned earlier, China aims to disrupt, dominate, and displace. And mm-hmm. it has been very successful so far. Indeed. And, you know, and it's it's probably gutted the economies of certain regions of the country, which were uh, drug producers. I know New Jersey certainly is. And, you know, they still have a lot of drug companies there. Uh, some of the manufacturing was offshore in Puerto Rico. Is, was the Puerto Rican economy affected by this uh, transition? Yes, uh, I, I think so. That was affected largely in Puerto Rico by a change in tax incentives. There was a series of incentives for pharma companies to locate plants in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And Which in the is 1990s, great for a, a relatively impoverished country. You know. That's right. And you had a lot of great skilled people with doing skilled jobs there. Mm-hmm. But in the 1990s, those uh, incentives were removed. Now, the question is why? And you can bet that a lot of that uh, uh, production went elsewhere and probably including China. Indeed. So that's a, a, grave, um, a grave error. Lots of lots of mistakes were made. But what we need to do is um, use our purchasing power, our institutions, whether it's the military, Department of Veterans Affairs, the strategic national stockpile. We need to use our taxpayer dollars and support domestic manufacturing, at least of the most essential medicines. Mm -hmm. But you wouldn't believe the uh, hue and outcry from special interests. They say, oh, no, we can't produce them here. That will destabilize the global supply chains. It's really quite hmm. remarkable. And Big Pharma was saying, oh my, that, we can't do that because that'll raise the price of generic drugs. Well, not as if they've never been concerned about the price of drugs. Uh, and the reality is that it could actually be cheaper here with new technology, um, having generic drugs or at least cost competitive. We can get into that in a minute. Hmm. But the fierce opposition, I did not expect this. For something so basic as producing medicines you need for your hospitals to function in the best of times, well, let the, alone in a pandemic. The, the impetus to some extent has to come from uh, Washington, the federal government, uh, and also, you know, from uh, Congress. Uh, have you, you know, obviously you're engaged on this issue and you've testified before Congress. Have you, have you got in the ear of any politicians on this subject, or are they all just oh, many. asleep at the switch? Oh, no, many. Uh, th- there are many um, elected officials that have reached out, and they have introduced some great bills that would truly solve, go a long way to solving this problem, Ron, but uh, the special interests want to keep things as exactly the way they are. And I also have a hypothesis that these companies are lobbying on behalf of China. Mm-hmm as a condition of them uh, wanting to keep their businesses going uh, over there and selling their branded products. Otherwise, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Remember, if, if you're doing business in China, you have, to be, you have to be Chinese. You have to be working for China. And it's a very sad state of affairs when it comes to things as, that we need, you know, for... For life, hopefully, people don't have to take medicine. They can live, you know, healthy, build up their immunity, their uh, eat properly, have proper nutrients. But sometimes 
you may need uh, a very important medicine. And we've lost control over supply, we've lost control over quality, and then you lose control over price. Indeed. But we are seeing some people waking up, and this nonprofit group called Civica, uh, they are creating a new supply chain, and uh, I wish them every success, and they'll be coming out with a, a generic drug that people will be able to get uh, over there in their pharmacies. It'll be an outpatient drug. And uh, Godspeed to them. Okay, folks, at this point, uh, let's allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share a vital message with you. Here goes. This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Youthful Energy, providing you with a unique energy support of pure NT Factor. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor from Nutritional Therapeutics repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years. With a 45-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158, or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you with great guests like today's guest, Rosemary Gibson. Now back to her. You know, many of our listeners are, are supplement consumers, and they may find it alarming that a lot of the, uh, especially the raw materials that go into supplements that they take, uh, have Chinese origins. And so we've got to reassure them on some level that the vast majority of stuff is legit uh, and is okay to take. Plus, the companies that I work with, and I've talked to them about this, I said, well, what, is it, what about all this thing about China, you know, and, you know, contaminants and, you know, mercury, lead, cadmium in, you know, different products that they uh, export? And they said, yeah, you know, we, we believe in um, uh, trust but verify when it comes Absolutely. to products from China. Is, you know, so we have to assay every batch that we get, Absolutely. you know, they'll send us a barrel of, you know, whatever, ascorbic acid, you know, for our vitamin C products. And we assay it carefully uh, each and every lot because, you know, we want to make, we want to safeguard our our, uh, uh, our consumers. However, there are some uh, supplement manufacturers who are kind of unscrupulous. And these are usually the, you know, the outliers, you know, the kind of lesser known brands, uh, you know, very discount brands. That may mm-hmm. cut corners, when it, but it's essential. It's essential to, and same thing for pharmaceutical companies making generics. They have to assay, assay, assay to, you know, to assess purity and, uh, and efficacy. That's right. And, and uh, thank goodness for those companies that are ethical and want to serve their customers well. You know, my advice is know who you're buying from and do your homework. There's one vitamin uh, company that, if you look on their label, it has USP on it, US Pharmacopeia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the standard setting entity, and this company had asked you has asked USP to you know look at their products. So that tells you that they care enough uh, to want to do that. And frankly, that's good business practice. Yeah, because I- if you're selling a, a substandard drug that could harm people, you know, you're putting yourself um, in legal jeopardy. And also, I think it, it uh, confers sort of premium status on, on your products. And, and, you know, I think uh, a lot of Americans, uh, you know, are, are 
going to the jugular. You know, they really want to, you know, get the cheapest clothes, the cheapest products imaginable. It's all about price. But I think a fair right. percent, a, a, you know, a, a sizable minority of, of consumers will say, I'm willing to spend extra dollars if I can be assured of quality. I don't want to, yes. you know, poison myself, poison my family, uh, give them substandard, uh, you know, supplements or medication or foods for that matter, because we do get a lot of food uh, raw materials from China these days, too. Uh, and on and on it goes. I mean, it even applies to things like, um, you know, like um, uh, wallboard, you know, which we found was contaminated from China and, you know, created some devastating illness when it off-gassed uh, formaldehyde. Uh, you know, these are... You know, these are concerns. Again, you know, we're not going to completely uh, eliminate our dependency on, on China. And China can, you know, maybe evolve into uh, uh, a trusted partner uh, if they turn things around. But the Chinese brand these days is really suffering. You know, if it was a, a car brand, you know, <laughs> it would be nobody would buy it anymore. Oh, that's right. That's exactly right. You know, went from doing the research for China RX, which, by the way, took three years because this is so non-transparent, it prompted me to change the vitamins I take uh, to a much higher quality product. But it takes time, um, effort to think through this. Um, busy people may have less time to do that. But if you have time to do it, it's it's truly worth doing to get a quality product. Um, uh, I wanted to, to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, a couple of your other great books because you're, you're uh, a writer on the, on the healthcare scene, uh, a true uh, investigative journalist, uh, and uh, you're really plugged into what's happening. Uh, you, you wrote a couple of books. One is called Wall of Silence. It's about medical errors. The other one is called, great title, The Treatment Trap. And it's about right. overutilization, overtreatment, and overtesting. Let's start with a treatment trap because that's kind of an intriguing proposition. A lot of people say, well, you know, we need more medicine. We need, you know, people are being denied health care. But when it comes to health care, sometimes the opposite may be true, right? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, the Institute of Medicine, as it was called then at the National Academy of Sciences, came out with a report on overtreatment. And it was defined as when the potential for harm exceeds the possible benefit. And we have a lot of overtreatment in the United States. I, I came across a, an article from an organization of physician executives. This was a number of years ago. And it was basically a, stud, a study of, their, of ethics. And they asked these, so these would be physicians in hospitals or managed care plans that serve in administrative roles clinical or clinical roles. They're not at the bedside. And they were asked, uh, how often have you seen colleagues perform procedures or admit patients to the hospital when it was not medically necessary? And it was off the charts, mm -hmm. as I recall, more than 50%. And what are some of the typical procedures that are overutilized? Oh, back surgeries. Mm -hmm. uh, back surgeries are probably the most overused procedure. I, was, I remember I was on a flight one time, and there was a, actually going to speak somewhere on this, and there was a gentleman behind me. We started chatting. He had seven back surgeries, Oof. but he wasn't getting any better. And, you know, it's so unfortunate that uh, – that medicine is used in this way. 
And there are many, many fine physicians who are too afraid to speak out, but they're quoted in the treatment trap book. And some of their quotes are so profound in what they witness. And for them, if, if you're an ethical person and you want to live up to your own personal and professional values, this is devastating to see this. And there are some cultures out there where, where it's really um, over the top. There was a we chronicle I'm sorry, treatment it, trap. It even extends to yeah, cardiac uh, bypasses and stents. I mean, those procedures, there are clear indications for those, uh, which are often exceeded. You know, it's like, well, you know, you have narrowed arteries. Well, that's not actually the, um, the sine qua non for you know, putting a stent in or uh, putting in a bypass. Uh, you know, as you know, and you wrote about, uh, studies, studies demonstrate that um, uh, the end result, which is preventing death uh, is minimal if you do that, unless a person has had a heart attack or unless a person has critical uh, uh, stenosis, you know, blockage. So, um, yeah, I mean. That's right. Yeah, there was a, a um, there was one hospital in Northern California, relatively small town that ha- had the highest rate among people on Medicare for open heart surgery. Was there an epidemic of blocked arteries in this town? Right. No. It was a hospital that was doing all kinds of uh, procedures on patients that were not warranted. There was actually a Catholic priest that went into that hospital. He was out visiting there, and he was told he needed to have bypass surgery. And that's, you know, scared the bejesus out of him. And so he went back to his uh, own doctor where he lived. His doctor said, there's nothing wrong with you. Whoa. And so this guy didn't leave it at that. He actually called the FBI. Wow. And they went out and that launched an investigation. Hmm. Imagine having cutting open someone's chest for monetary reasons. And that's what's being done. And there's data, you know, right now on uh, that's available, but no one's using it on similar communities where the rate of procedures is so off the charts mm-hmm. there's no it's huge way disparities like i mean how do you how do you how do you in one state you know there's this percentage of operations in another state it's you know tenfold greater um what's up with that you know it's just crazy yeah well you have to go you have to go look and there might be some very unique circumstances like a referral facility but there are also places there was an article in the new york times i recall about hospital in new york city where they had one of the, just an off-the-chart number of cardiovascular procedures that might have been stenting. Mm-hmm. And they talked about how much the, sur- the a surgeon was paid, totally off the charts, more than the CEOs of many companies. And what's really concerning, Ron, is that nobody did anything about it. Yeah, it's just business. It's, it's the, uh, you know, the the blue line of silence, you know, it doesn't just apply to, uh, you know, the police. It's also present in medicine. Uh, wall of silence uh, is on the theme of medical errors. Um, there was a report that came out a few years ago, uh, to err is human. Um, and that kind of triggered a whole in- investigation of the pervasiveness of medical errors, Right. Yeah, I saw that report, Ron, and right at the desk where I am now, and I said, well, this it was a stunning report. It was so honest. For the first time, perhaps in the whole history of Western medicine, 
group of physicians got around and said, you know, sometimes we cause more harm than good. And so I said, well, I'm going to write, I'm going to help fix that by telling the stories of these 100,000 people. Who are they? And I went out and found them. And back then, this was not something talked about. And Wall of Silence was the first book to put a human face on medical error. And that, I'm happy to say, has led to uh, transformation, some improvements in, um, in some areas. Mm-hmm. So you're but taking kind of a systems approach, you know, the way that, uh, you know, NASA would uh, go through a checklist, you know, before launching a rocket into space. Uh, you know, that type of rigor and, and in aviation, that type of rigor needs to be applied to medicine. Um, but, um, uh, you know, clearly, uh, there, there's a lot of people who've been injured uh, or killed by uh, improper medical procedures, hundreds of thousands annually, according to the statistics. And um, we have a malpractice system. How good is the malpractice system at uh, keeping that to a minimum? Effective? Not effective? No, malpractice, in my view, does nothing to make the system safer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes it worse. And... Uh, we have to apply, as as you say so well, Ron, basic principles of safety science. Yep. And when, when you can fix these, th- these systems are terribly broken. And I'm sure all of your uh, listeners understand that. And a lot of people are afraid to go. And I can understand that also. So we have to make it safe, not only for patients, but also for those who work there. And make it easy to do the right thing and really hard to, you know, to err. And we also have competence issues, which is a whole other issue. So um, malpractice does nothing. And it's a very sad situation when patients are harmed and they have no recourse. They lose their jobs, lose their families, and how do they survive? It's it's extraordinary. The book uh, Wall of Science actually has some insights applicable to the treatment trap because in Wall of Science, you know, you may talk about uh, malpractice and it's it's – you know, the lack of effectiveness it has in terms of curbing um, injuries and deaths. Uh, and in fact, it may incentivize over treatment and overutilization. You know, it's like more blood tests, more imaging, uh, more procedures, because, mm-hmm. you know, you got to go by the book or else if you didn't do it, uh, you might get sued. You know, it drives up medical costs. It subjects patients to unnecessary cost and dangers. Uh, and uh, drives over treatment. And also there's a, you're right, and there's also a cultural thing where people in this country think it's more is better. Yeah. Because that's what we've been socialized to believe. Whereas if you go in other countries like Sweden, they think we're absolutely crazy. Right. Because they have built a very, uh, in many areas of that country, a very robust primary care system to keep people healthy not just to treat disease. And that's what we sh- what a healthcare system should be doing. But we've gone the other way. And it's so financially driven. Well, here bill, in, this, bill, in this country... It's like, bill, bill, bill. Yeah, here in this country, we talk about the million-dollar workup. You know, if you, if you have the means, you know, you want to get that million-dollar workup. But that <laughs> may not be to, in your interest. Okay, great stuff. Um, the book is uh, China RX, uh, Exposing the Risks of America's Dependence on China for Medicine. It's very timely as we, uh, you know, basically kind of, there's been a kind of a wake-up call to our dependency on China uh, via 
the COVID crisis, and uh, more and more people are aware of it. And uh, China's in the crosshairs, no question, because... Um, oh, yes. Yep. That's right. And China RX really has been, I have to say, with all humility, it's so heartening to see that it has stimulated many, many bills introduced in Congress. Uh, companies are doing things differently because of it. So it's heartening to see that. But boy, we've got to get moving and moving fast and change um, to fix this for the benefit of all of us. Yeah, we, we need to pivot towards uh, domestic production for sure and uh, reduce our dependency. Uh, great book and, you know, your whole, uh, you know, your, your lifetime of uh, investigative journalism and your commitment to uh, uh, looking at some of the critical issues that face us in healthcare. Uh, is, uh, you know, really a great reflection. Thank you so much, uh, Rosemary Gibson, for, uh, for checking in with us today. Uh, our listeners should also look at, uh, you know, your other books, Wall of Silence, The Treatment Trap. They're all great, uh, and several others. So thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, did you, by the way, you, is, where can you point people to to learn more about you? Sure. Um, people can follow me on or just look at on me on Twitter at Rosemary. 100. And of course, Amazon has the books. And I want your listeners to know that we donate proceeds uh, to good causes. We started that with the Wall of Silence book because writing about patient harm and people who shared their most intimate moments, I just you just can't make money off of that. So we donate that to good causes. And I wrote it for the public interest and do the things that no one else will do for us. So I'm so grateful to you, Ron, for the chance to be with you today. Well, it was my great pleasure, and uh, our listeners are appreciative. So thanks again, Rosemary Gibson, for joining us. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site, it's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.